welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to our 10 a.m. hour of worship. It is a joy to be in worship with all of you this morning. I want to also welcome those who are joining us through our live streaming service and tuning in on WRR. For those of you who are joining us in our pews, I want to invite you to turn to the end of your, of your pews and look for our friendship registry pads. This is a way for you to note your attendance and also note the names of those who are sitting around you. With our change of schedule, you may have some new faces, so please learn the names of those who are around you so we can continue to grow as a family of faith. For those of you who are new among us, it is so good to have you here in worship, and we look forward to meeting you. I want to invite you to join us in the atrium after worship. There are friends with bright yellow name tags who are eager to meet you and to give you a welcome bag made especially for you. For everybody in your pews, you will find a card. On one side, it is a connect card, and this is a way where you can let your pastors and your leaders know how we can continue to journey with you in your faith and the life of ministry in this church. And on the other side is a prayer card. It is always a privilege to join you in prayer for those prayers of joys and concerns that you have in your lives. So please use those and you can put those in the offering plate as that comes through during that time of the worship service. As you can tell, this is summer. We're at our 10 a.m. worship schedule and we're so glad that you're here. For many of us, the summer marks a change in our day-to-day -day rhythms. I see some of our college students are back and I know kids and parents are antsy for summer to begin. And so as you know, we have a morning service and we also have an evening service at 5 p.m. if that fits your schedule as well. All are welcome to both of our services on Sundays. And I also wanna highlight an opportunity this summer for you to join us in reading and discussing Barbara Brown Taylor's book, an altar in the world. In her book, Taylor will walk us through our summer theme, which is the sacred, ordinary life and how to look for God in those ordinary places and ways that we go through throughout the year. The Reverend Mark Brainerd will lead this discussion on Thursday mornings, and for more details, you can find those on the back of your bulletin. In addition, the summer brings us the welcome addition of having a wonderful spread of refreshments after worship this summer. So please join us after worship in the atrium for fellowship and some delicious popcorn and lemonade. Finally, friends, as we join our hearts in worship together, I want to remind you that today is just like any ordinary Sunday. We will pray, we will sing, we will listen for God's word in our lives. And I also want to remind us that this morning, by the grace of God, we woke up. Our eyes fluttered open. Our lungs were filled with breath, the breath of the living God. And that, my friends, is extraordinary. And so today, as we sing and we pray and we listen for God's word, know that this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us worship holy God.
In sleeping and in waking, God is present. In eating and in playing, God is present. In losing keys, reading book, a book, and sitting in traffic, God is present. As we gather for worship, God is present. Let us worship God. before God and one another. Let us pray. God of every day, we confess that our imperfections often get the best of us. Some days we forget that we are and we doubt our own abilities. Some days we isolate ourselves and try to be self-sufficient. Some days we dwell
Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. At this time, I would like to invite our children to come forward for a moment of worship. everybody. So how are you feeling today? Thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down, lots of thumbs up. That's awesome. We got a little extra sleep today maybe. Well, I want to tell you about how when I was a little girl, it's hard to believe that, but I, when I was a little girl, I was a pretty clumsy girl. When I would walk and play in the house, it was a matter of time before I bumped my head on the table or on the door or on the floor. When I played outside, it was only a matter of time before I would trip on the sidewalk or maybe on a tree stump and skin up my knee. Do you guys ever get a little bump and bruise and scrapes when you go play and walk? Yeah. Does anybody have a good story you can remember of? Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's not good at little eye poison ivy. What else? Yes, scrapes when we go swimming. What about you? Yeah, getting bumped on furniture. Okay, so bumps happen, right? We have accidents here and there. Today we're going to hear a story that Pastor Mark is going to tell us from the book 
of Isaiah. And so in the book of Isaiah, God's people are like us. They're trying to follow God faithfully. And sometimes in their walk of faith, they have bumps and bruises. They fall down. They get hurt. Sometimes it's because they're not paying attention to what God is saying. And sometimes it's not even their fault and they still get hurt. And so I think of Isaiah like a good parent. As you know, Isaiah is a prophet, but I think that Isaiah sounds like a really good parent. That when we need a little word of discipline, Isaiah is going to give it to us. And when we need a good word of comfort, Isaiah is going to comfort us. And today, we're going to hear Isaiah telling God's people and telling us some really important words of comfort. And what Isaiah tells us is that no matter what, no matter how scraped up we get, no matter how many times we bump our heads and we fall, God is always there with us. And God will heal us. And God will make it easier to get up every single time after we fall. And to me, that is a good word of comfort. So will you pray with me today? I invite everybody to pray with me in this echo prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, sometimes we fall down. And sometimes other things hurt us. No matter what, you are always with us. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can go sit with your parents again. Thank you so much. As we turn to hear God's word for us today, will you join me in prayer? Holy God, may the words we are about to hear fall upon us as more than words, but rather fill us like living water, quenching our dry and thirsty souls with your truth, hope, and love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, what a joy it is to be with you this morning in the pulpit as we gather together for our first summer uh, Sunday schedule uh, worship service. It is good to be with you this morning as we uh, begin this new season together. The sermon lesson today comes from the 30th chapter of Isaiah, beginning at verse 19. I invite you now to listen that by faith you may receive God's word for you this morning. Truly, O people in Zion, inhabitants of Jerusalem, you shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. 
Though the Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself any more. But your eyes shall see your teacher. And when you turn to the right, or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, move among us that we may hear God's word. And hearing it, we might respond with boldness today and every day. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. This is the way. Walk in it. Now, at the outset of today's message, I want to uh, speak again about this worship service and the group gathered here at this particular hour. We have many ages and stages of life represented here. We are shown a particular way to walk by God depending on our stage of life. And I want you to hear from one of your pastors that if the youngest among us, the littlest among us, begin squiggling and begin making noise, do not leave. We celebrate that, especially at this time of year. So please, be free. So there was a chill in the air, but the sun was shining brightly on that fall New Jersey morning when we took our second born to church. Clay was less than a year old when we took him to the front of the sanctuary at Allentown Presbyterian Church. There at the chancel steps, Pastor Stephen took him in his arms and performed Clay's baptism, the, sacra the sacrament where he was claimed by God and where we as his parents committed to raise him in the faith, to show him the way, and to instruct him to walk in it. The gathered congregation spoke on behalf of the church universal, affirming that they would nurture his faith as he grew and matured. That day was sacred, for we recognized Clay as a beloved child of the covenant. Those people in that congregation at Allentown Church back in 2001, they answered on behalf of First Presbyterian Church Ann Arbor, Michigan, and of Westminster Presbyterian Church Greensboro, North Carolina, and of, on behalf of this congregation, Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. Ministry indeed moved us to other places, and we did raise our boys mostly in Greensboro at Westminster, and Westminster played a significant role in their faith formation and their spiritual development. There, both of our sons were confirmed in the faith. They spoke for themselves words of commitment to God, understanding that they were God's beloved. Last year, we were led here to Preston Hollow, where this congregation took up the mantle of opportunity and responsibility in nurturing Clay's faith. To hear Clay describe it, you have played an important part in a pivotal year in his life, his senior year of high school. Michelle and I could not agree more, and we are deeply grateful. Who moves their child the summer before the senior year of high school? <laughs> God, can you have an answer for me there? But I want you to know just a little snippet of the goodness that Preston Hollow has brought into this young man's life. 
We gave him the opportunity to participate in last summer's Appalachian Service Project trip with the youth in Hazard, Kentucky. No, he was not going to leave from Dallas with the group going there so that he could get to know people. In fact, Michelle would drive Clay from Greensboro on her way to Dallas and drop him off in Hazard County, Kentucky with a group of strangers he had never met before, <laughs> where he worked for one week repairing homes and doing the work that he was called upon to do, and then he rode back to Dallas with his newfound friends. And may I just say, that changed that boy's life. He then went to Montreat. He's been involved in the youth group here. And it is a wonderful testament of the way that God's spirit has moved in his life uh, through, through the life of this congregation. Such stories are not uncommon in the church. Many of us could give a similar account of families presenting children for baptism and young lives being nurtured in the life of a congregation. Some of us have heard stories of our own baptism. For others, perhaps we recall the details ourselves because we were old enough when we made that decision for ourselves and we were baptized. There was a young man at Westminster in Greensboro named Eric who was bound and determined not to be baptized at the font with a little sprinkling of water. He wanted a full immersion baptism and he asked me to do it. So we went to a neighborhood pool in the backyard of a church member's family. We gathered elders together and other pastors, and I dunked that boy three times in the swimming pool. <laughs> the water was ice cold. <laughs> now the reason, though, in addition to that, that this was particularly memorable is that all of the elders were gathered under a beautiful tree that had just bloomed, and right at the time that I first brought him out of the water, brought Eric out of the water, a flock of some kind of bird, blackbird something, just descended upon all the people, and it made it for a memorable occasion for sure. <laughs> the simple acts of water washing at the baptismal font, as Hunter will receive just in a little bit, is profound because of what it represents. God staking claim on our very lives. God claiming our hearts. And those witnessing agreeing to facilitate that claim through teaching and loving and presence. I love my colleague Sarah R's uh, comments about her own growing up years and the fact that her parents would always remind her as she left the house, remember your baptism or remember you are baptized or remember who you are and whose you are. I love that. The truth is, we can forget. We can forget such things. The layers of life can obstruct our view. They can make our memory a bit foggy. Sometimes we need reminding that we are beloved child of God. Whether we are eight months, eight years, 88 years, we are God's beloved. Today marks the beginning of a new sermon series, as you heard at the beginning of our worship hour, Sacred Ordinary Life. We're taking advantage of the change in seasons to challenge ourselves to walk in the way with fresh eyes, to peel back the layers of life that can obstruct our view and make our memory a bit foggy. In busy moments and daily routines, we can miss finding the sacred of God in daily life. We can forget that in the midst of it all, we are beloved by God. So this summer, we're hoping to find 
holiness in the calm and in the chaos of our ordinary lives. Every day is a gift. When we hear that, I know we hear such things and the sentiment falls flat in the face of the long list of to-dos, the chores, the obligations, the responsibilities that mark the daily routines of our lives. But the fact remains that each and every day is a gift to us. God gives it. If only we could step back long enough to take in that reality, we might just be able to reorient ourselves enough to appreciate those everyday tasks and to see them as an opportunity to glimpse the holy, to find places where God has made God's presence and provision known to us. Perhaps knowing that we are all making an effort to do this intentionally will make it more likely. We might ask one another, where have you seen God's presence in your ordinary life in the last week? Where have you seen the holy in the simple things? We have an idea that we hope will help you along the way. As you came in today, if you came through the atrium, you saw a great wall of photographs. We're hoping that you will participate in that by taking pictures of the sacred, ordinary life that you live, but where in the midst of the ordinary, you in fact can identify the sacred. You can see where God is moving, even in the simplest of things. It's unlikely, but perhaps as you're over the laundry basket folding t-shirts, you may realize God is right there with you. Maybe it's waiting in line and you buy someone a Starbucks behind you or wherever your favorite place is. All of these simple things. Take a photo and tag us. Send it to us uh, by social media. Let us participate in your life in that particular way. We want it to be uh, something that's meaningful and something that we don't just talk about on Sundays particularly as we scatter uh, to different places for those of us who may be traveling. Well, the prophet Isaiah wrote during a time when people needed reminding of the way to go. They needed encouragement. Of, they needed reminding of who set the path and to be encouraged to follow that path. These were times of political and military crisis. The people were living with competing motivations, competing national allegiances, and resulting priorities. Isaiah speaks here and elsewhere of another plan, and that is God's plan. One commentator describes it this way, amidst the swirling claims of clever politicians, deceitful prophets, crazed priests, and unjust rulers, there remains another way. And the prophet Isaiah never tires of insisting that it is the only way, that being God's way. Well, friends, I'd say that we're living in our own version of Isaiah's time, and because of that, we too need reminding of God's way as we are confronted with many other ways. Well, just over 10 years ago, author Barbara Brown Taylor wrote a book entitled An Altar in the World, A Geography of Faith. Kathy mentioned it at the beginning of our worship hour this morning, as I will be leading a book study on that, and I wanted to share a little bit with you today about uh, her insights, because she does walk us through this whole idea of claiming the ordinary as sacred. This was her effort at illustrating the reality that the sacred can be found on the altar of our individual lives, 
just as readily as the sacred can be found in a church among its traditions, its practices, and as she would say, its trappings. Taylor comes at this with a measure of authority as she is an Episcopal priest, a, an academic a professor in religion, and a faithful disciple of Christ. In recent years, she has found her way out of the church into a more broadened landscape in which to observe God and God's people. She became disenchanted with the church as an institution because of the way that it can cause people to lose sight of the sacred in the midst of everything else. Policies, procedures, practices, traditions, the justification that we've always done it that way, so that's why we do it that way, really began to take its toll on her. So she stepped back to ponder and to remember. About church buildings, she writes this. As important as it is to mark the places where we meet God, I worry about what happens when we build a house for God. I'm speaking of the house of worship on the corner, where people of faith meet to say their prayers because saying them together reminds them of who they are better than saying them alone. That is good, yet she says all good things cast shadows. Do we build God a house so that we can choose where to go see God? Do we build God a house in lieu of having God stay at ours? Plus, what happens to the rest of the world when we build four walls, even four gorgeous walls, cap them with a steepled roof, and designate that as the house of God? What happens to the riverbanks, the mountaintops, the deserts, and the trees? What happens to the people who never show up in our houses of God? The people of God are not the only creatures capable of praising God, after all. There are also wolves and seals. There are also wild geese and humpback whales. According to the Bible, even trees clap their hands in praise. Francis of Assisi loved singing hymns with his brothers and sisters, who included not only Brother Bernard and Sister Claire, but also Brother Sun and Sister Moon. Francis could not have told you the difference between the sacred and the secular. If you had twisted his arm behind his back, he couldn't have told you. He read the world as reverently as he read the Bible. For him, a leper was as kissable as a bishop's ring, a single bird as much a messenger of God as a cloud of angels. Francis had no discretion. He did not know where to draw the line between the church and the world. Of course, Francis also built a church. Unsure of what church God meant when God called upon him, Francis chose a ruined one near where he lived. He recruited all kinds of people to help him build it. Some of them just came to watch, and before they knew it, they were mixing cement. Others could not lift a single brick without help. But that worked out, since it led them to meet more people than they might have if they had been stronger. To most of them, building the church became more important than finishing it. Building it together gave people who were formerly invisible to each other meaning 
and purpose and worth. When it was done, at last, Francis's church did not stand as a shelter from the world. It stood as a reminder, a reminder that the whole world was God's house. For some, it was simply being there, being present for the community effort. For others, the physical labor was key. For all, we might say, it was simply being seen and acknowledged. Today is my good friend Peter Dietz's birthday. Since our graduation from Princeton Seminary, Peter has served alongside men and women in the Navy as a naval chaplain. I have tremendous respect for his service and sacrifice and that of countless others. Tomorrow is a day set aside for such remembrances, marking such appreciation. Since 1971, Memorial Day has given Americans the opportunity and the honor of remembering those men and women in the military who died while serving their country. Most of us will mark it as the unofficial beginning of summer, and until Labor Day, summer's official end. We will try to pack in sun and fun, family and friends, travel and rest. Our plants, grass, and weeds will demand our attention. Our bird feeders will require more frequent refilling, and we will renew our acquaintance with our decks, our porches, and our patios, all part of our sacred, ordinary life. It's rather easy, though, I think, to let this Memorial Day go by as a day off work for many, as a day of rest for all, an ordinary, simple marker of the changing of seasons. My hope, though, is that we take a moment tomorrow at least to ponder the change that comes in the lives of American people because of military service. May we consider the stress and strain that families have endured in times over the years. May we remember that the sacred and ordinary can easily cover up the significant. Perhaps tomorrow read an article listen to a podcast, or talk to someone who has served, and think about the range of challenges people face. But most of all, let us give thanks for our freedom. Let us give thanks for the sacred and the ordinary parts of our lives. Let us step back and breathe more deeply, be more reminded of God's presence, of God showing us the way to live our lives. Let us give thanks for all, for all's service. Sacred, ordinary life. Friends, these coming summer weeks at Preston Hollow beckon us to step back, to look more deeply at the simple things when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left, to see the sacred way for you and for me. All thanks be to God.
Friends, having been reminded of the precious grace of God that is available to us, both in the context of our worshiping life together, but also in the context of our daily lives, in the waters of baptism, in the tables that we share with one another, in our waking and our sleeping and our rising, let us rise together in body and spirit and say what it is we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As we prepare to turn our hearts to God in prayer, I want to remind us that there are care letters located just outside the doors of the north transept under the window. As you leave this place, let your signature be a prayer for someone in our midst who is in need. In addition, there are announcements in the back of your bulletin for prayers of joys and concerns. And I want to add to those prayers for Owen Tan, whose sister Hosanna Chandra died this weekend. Hosanna is the aunt of the Roth and Tan families, and we hold them in our prayers this week. We also pray for Alex Bott, our church member, who was in a car accident this week, is in the hospital. We pray for his recovery and all those who are caring for him. And this season, we want to especially give thanks for a conclusion of another school year. We give thanks for the accomplishment of all of our students, for the support of parents, and the hard dedication and work of our teachers and administration. And we especially give thanks for our very own Preston Hollow Presbyterian School. And we pray especially for those rising, those who are graduating from sixth grade and going off to different schools. We give thanks for the school and the many ways they serve our community. Friends, let us pray.
Gracious God, you are the maker of our days. You know when we sleep and when we rise. There is nowhere we can go where you are not already there. And so we pray today for your steadfast presence to be made known to us. For there are too many of your beloved people in this world who feel as if we are shrouded in an unshakable darkness. The heaviness of grief for our loved ones is too much to bear at times. The tragedies of untimely death and loss keep us from sleep and from knowing your peace. The brutalities of wars past and present and the invisible scars they leave on generation after generation, and especially for those who have been called upon to sacrifice their lives for the sake of others. The relentlessness of poverty and hunger diminish the fullness of life you desire for all of us in this city. The burden of physical and mental illness drains our resources and strains our most precious relationships. And there are transitions in our lives that are marked by uncertainty and fear, and they stifle the joy we once knew when beginnings were exciting and welcomed. So God of mercy, hear our cries today for your loving kindness to take hold of our lives and our world once again. Open our eyes to see you in the sacred, ordinary lives we lead. Help us to see our own bodies the way you see us, beloved, broken, and blessed. Challenge us to see your divine image in all people, in all places and circumstances. Attune our ears to hear you gently and graciously calling us forward, taking our hands and guiding our feet one step at a time into new relationships, into deeper connections with one another. Fill us with the courage to demand justice and to work for peace. Strengthen our faith in the abundance of grace you pour out into this world. Encourage us to make space in our lives for the Spirit to do what the Spirit has been doing all along, renewing, restoring, replenishing, and reconciling all of us with one another and with you. And so it is with hope that we pray as your son taught us to pray all those years ago, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and glory forever.
Friends, in response to the gift of God's love, we are invited each week to offer our daily treasures back to God. Today is our final Sunday for this month's Every Dollar Counts offering. That is those single dollar bills that are placed in the offering plate. During the month of May has gone to support Readers to Leaders, a wonderful organization here in Dallas dedicated to developing the reading skills of children ages 3 to 12. Our gifts over this month have gone to support their continuing education throughout the summer, and in particular, um, field trips to the opera and to the stockyards and to the Trinity River Audubon Center. So thank you for all the ways that you continually um, support children in our city and our community. Friend, let us give generously to the God who has given so generously to us our morning tithes and offerings.
God of compassion, you are ever-present with us and ever-present with your beloved children in need. Take these gifts and multiply them to cover your good creation with justice and mercy and joy. In the light of your love, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite the Kennedy family forward as they present their son for the sacrament of baptism. Family of God, it is indeed in the sacrament of baptism that God claims us and seals us forever. For we believe that God first loves us. It is God who reaches out to us to claim us and to seal us as Christ's own. So as we celebrate the sacrament of baptism this morning, I invite you to remember that God says to each one of us, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. I invite you to remember your baptism this morning. On behalf of the session, I present Hunter Scott Kennedy to be baptized. Amy and Roby, as you present your child for baptism, I ask you the following questions. Do you desire your child to be baptized? Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death, and that Jesus Christ is strongest of all. If so, please say, I do. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every day, seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ in all you say and do? If so, please say, I will. And do you promise to tell your child the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for him, and to remember for yourself and for your child that you belong first and foremost to the love of God whom we know through Jesus Christ. If so, please say, I do. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Hunter with love and prayer, through teaching and service, encouraging him to know and follow our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? We do. Friends, let us pray. This water is ordinary, O oh God. It came straight from the tap. But in this water, you make extraordinary promises to Hunter. In this water, you promise to claim him as your own. In this water, you promise to wrap him in your love. In this water, you seal him with a new identity. Child of the covenant. Oh God, it has always been this way with you and with water. You moved over the waters of creation to bring forth life. Out of the waters of the flood, you gave righteousness a new start. The waters of the Red Sea, you gave your people freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized and anointed with your spirit. So send your spirit again over this water. Surround Hunter with your grace as he receives the visible sign of it. And renew us all with the gifts of new beginnings and deep belonging. So that with this one, young one, we may go from here with joy, remembering we are your beloved family. We pray all this in Christ's holy name. Amen. What is the Christian name of your child?
Hunter Scott, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Hunter, you are a child of God, sealed by the Spirit in your baptism, and you belong to Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Hunter Scott Kennedy is now received into the Holy Catholic Church. Through baptism, God has made him a member of the household of faith to share with us in the priesthood of Christ. Friends, I invite you to remain seated and to sing the song, Raindrops, Oceans, Lakes, and Rivers, printed in your bulletin as we introduce to you the newest child of the covenant. And Roby, on this day, we present you with a candle. Our hope is that you will take this candle home with you, and that each year as you remember Hunter's baptism, that you will tell him the story of this day. But most importantly, you will remind him who he is and to whom he belongs. Friends, let us stand and sing our closing hymn.
sense the peace of God which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with you this day and every day. Go in peace. Thank you.